Uh-huh. <laughs> we gotta we gotta stop. <laughs> I completely forgot what show we were doing for a second. She's Ann. He's Snyder. I'm Julie. Liz is Barbara. This is one day at a time. No wait, it's not. It's Vikings Report with Drew and Ted. This is Drewster, how you doing? Hey, one day at a time, one day. What about Schneider, dude? When you think about it, Schneider, the, the janitor for one day at a time, was was kind of a creepy guy. <laughs> None of their stuff ever worked. He was always over there, and nothing ever got fixed. Before they shot the first episode, they had him in his, you know, he wore that jeans vest. Yeah. And he, you know, and he, he just didn't feel right. So he went over and he took the tool belt off one of the guys working the camera and he put it on. And it just became part of his thing. He just stole no the guy. No Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, Pat Harrington, dude. Yeah, he put the tool belt on. It just became part of the show. Wow. He didn't feel like the handyman just walking around looking like, you know. <laughs> what a great show. It's actually our new episode leader by two episodes. Is it really? 209 episodes, Ted. Yeah, but those those last couple of years, though, like when they there's only like one person on it, it just got dumb. Like when it was with Julie, Barbara, <coughs> and Schneider. Schneider, the four the four main characters. That was a great show. You know what, Bert and Ellie, I was gonna marry her when I was twelve. No, I, I was. I no, was I nine, and I believe I was. I remember. I was remember. I was all planning the wedding. I told my ma too. I said, Ma, <laughs> I'm gonna marry Barbara Cooper. She said, Who's Barbara Cooper? Do you go to school there? I'm all no. It's Valerie Bertinelli. She says. Yeah, okay. Set the table, numbskull. The lady that created that show was named Whitney Blake, and she created that show off of her own experience as being a single mom. And I think back in those days, there wasn't a lot of sitcoms or anything done with, with a divorced mom and her kids. That was, one no. of the first, that was one of the first ones. Very groundbreaking show. One of her children was Meredith Baxter, who we all know has became Elise Keaton on Family yes. Ties in 1982. That was one of Whitney Blake's kids. Great job. Great show, people. Good show. All right, so now, if you'll notice, it's it's our jersey segment time. Normally, we have two jerseys hanging behind Drew. Um, tonight, we only have one. Drew, you just go ahead and take from here. Who's this for? The greatest Minnesota Viking player of all time, Alan Page. Ever. Offense, ever. defense, ever. Alan ever. Page. The guy was born in Canton. They yes. That's where he was born. They should have known. I, if, if this is one of your tasty tidbits, I, I, I'm sorry if I'm stealing it, but he worked. Anyway. In Canton, in high school, building when the when the Hall of Fame was under construction, he literally helped build it. And then I I, I want to say he was a janitor what? after the Hall of Fame was built. He got a job there, so he literally began his career in the Hall of Fame, and his football career ended in the Hall of Fame. Away, <laughs> yeah. You talk about bringing the knowledge and bringing the nuggets. That's great, dude. I did not know that. First defensive player to win the MVP in the league, 1971. They said it would never happen. I think it's only happened once since. I do believe. That's I'm guessing on that. But I think Lawrence Taylor won it in '86, and is that that's yeah? It? I bl- I believe you're right. Yes. But Lawrence Taylor is also a stand-up defensive end. He was. So it's a little easier for him to get sacked. What about 1976? Now they didn't start counting stats of sacks until 1982. So it's really hard to say how many really Deacon Jones had, Jim Marshall, but 1976, Alan Page had. 18 sacks, Ted. As a defensive tackle. Defensive tackle. Not an end. No. Not a no. linebacker. Defensive tackle coming up the middle. And he was probably 
at the time, he was even small for that area when guys were generally smaller than they are now. Oh, yeah. He was probably still giving up 20 to 30 pounds to every guy he was going up against. After he got drafted, it was pretty quick in the NFL that people knew that they had a big problem on their hands trying to block Alan Page because of his quickness, shooting the gap. He, you know what? Alan Page got held more than any other defensive lineman in NFL history. They allowed the holding. A lot of times the officials allowed the holding, and they said because we can't, he can't block them otherwise. It's not fair. If I call the holding, I can't stop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there was. And speaking of that, I was going to bring this up. This is a perfect segue. There was one game, and I, I can't remember the year. It was against the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Page kept getting held and held and held, and he finally lost his mind on the referee, <laughs> which was very unusual for Alan Page. Alan Page and the Vikings in general reflected the personality of Bud Grant. <clears throat> um, so for to see a player on the Vikings, especially Alan Page, loses cool on a referee uh, was very uncharacteristic. I mean, he just absolutely lost his mind, got flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct, and he took it out the very next three plays in a row. He yes. busted through the line and sacked, I believe it was Gary Danielson of the Lions. Enormous loss, loss of yardage. Uh, Lions had to punt. Just a tremendous sequence. And that, that no, was no, Alan no. Page. And he blocked that punt. That's right, he did. Yes, he did. He tackled the running back in the backfield, then got a sack on second, second down. And then got another sack and then blocked the punt. For those of you that, that didn't get to see Alan Page play in real life, if you go to YouTube and watch his highlights, and, and it's just, you know, people talk about speed and first step and, and, and defensive linemen. Watch Alan Page, and I don't, I don't think there was a defensive lineman in NFL history that it got off the ball faster than Alan Page. I mean, there were many times he was in the backfield on a running play meeting the football about the same time the running back was getting to the, to the ball as well. It was easy. He was just an amazing player. It was the combination of, of that quickness, his length, and the power that he brought with the quickness. He, most guys that are quick, are quick aren't that strong. They're not as strong as Page was. Page had the ultimate strength and quickness combo, and he was unblockable. That, he that was. Most valuable player year, 1971, when he went. And it wasn't defensive player of the year. NFL MVP. The entire league. Yes. 109 tackles, 10 sacks, and get this, three safeties. When are you going to see a guy get three safeties in one season? <laughs> I, I bet it'd be hard for a guy to get three safeties in a career these days. That's just, that's off the charts. When it comes to defensive tackles, Alan Page is Wayne Gretzky. And I'm going to tell you, you want to make an Alan Page, you get Aaron Donald, you get Watt. And then you get a couple more guys to throw in the blender. Do you want to make one Allen page? And they can't weigh more than 235 or 240 pounds. And they have to play 15 years without missing a game. Yeah. Look at that, dude. Yeah. I got, I got another one on top of there. He had 108 sacks for the Vikings. Some say that varies because, you know, he didn't count the sack stat. 108. And he played here until 1978. He went to the Bears for three more years, Ted, and got 40 more. Jeez. 40 more sacks to end up with 148, 148 and a half or something, close to 150. Do you know why he got cut? He got cut because he started running marathons and lost a bunch of weight, and Bud Grant got upset with him. He was down to 225, and Bud Grant says, you can't play defensive line at 225. You know what? I love Bud Grant. That was a mistake. That was his, I I would argue, other than his in-game decisions at the Super Bowl, that was his biggest player personnel mistake letting Alan Page go he didn't play that very well because you know 
You know who was the GM in Chicago when Alan Page, when he got picked up by the Bears? Finks. Yep, Jim, Jim Finks. And, and, and a lot of those Bears players that became the 1985 Bears, because Page played until 1982, I believe, with the Bears. Right. And, and a lot of those guys, Buddy Ryan and, and uh, I want to say it was Mike Singletary, they said, we learned how to play defensive football from Buddy Ryan and from Alan Page. So Alan Page, in, in some ways, is credited with helping oh, absolutely. form the attitude of that incredible defense the Bears had in the 1980s. We, we did, when I was still writing for the Daily Norseman, one of our off-season stories was we did a writers or, or commenters based could vote who was the greatest Viking. We had a big tournament, you know, kind of in line with March Madness and all that. Now, Page was voted the greatest Minnesota Viking of all time, which I think is a very well-deserved. I would, I would put my vote right in there with that. Alan Page and Fran Tarkinen. Yep. One on each side of the ball, but. I and oh, by the way, right. and by the way, during the offseason, Alan Page went to law school. And oh, by the way, oh, yeah, after. We haven't even talked that. about that. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, after he retired, he became a lawyer. And oh, by the way, after that, he just managed to become a Supreme Court justice in the Minnesota Supreme Court. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Like, what an underachiever. Go to the Hall of Fame and then just become a Supreme Court justice for the state of Minnesota. Come on, Alan. The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. Pick up the pace a little bit. Do something with your life. Just a tremendous civil rights advocate, quality human being all the way around. Nothing but absolute respect for Alan Page, both on and off the field. All right, so Alan Page, uh, that pretty much wraps up our Jersey tribute. Again, don't forget for our Jersey contest, uh, April 29th, the night of our live draft show, we're giving away, unfortunately, it's not an Alan Page jersey, but it is a Justin Jefferson jersey, probably the, the brightest young Vikings player that we have right now on the roster, uh, most exciting, talented guy. To enter to win, it's very simple. All you got to do is listen or watch for the secret phrase of the show. When you see the, the caption on the YouTube <laughs> Um, on our on our episode, <laughs> just type it into the YouTube comments down below. You can only enter one time per episode, but you can enter every episode up to the last episode prior to the draft night. So we've got several people, 10, about 10, 15 folks that have entered in every single episode. Unfortunately, yeah. you can't go back. The registration closes for that episode Wednesday at noon central time. But if you haven't gotten in on it yet, start now. Uh, the more times you enter, the better your chances to win. We're also going to have the lovely and irrepressible Tootsis. Tootsis! Tootsis, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. I'm super happy. We have trivia back this week. Yeah! Yes. Sorry we had to preempt you last week, but we had some kind of breaking news. Yeah, that was awesome. I was super yeah. happy about that, too. Hey, wait, um, hold on. Hold on a yeah. sec, you guys. All right. So... <laughs> <laughs> we, we, had to take, we had to take a break because uh, Drew's mustache wasn't probably trimmed, and Ruby, uh, uh, we had to pause it so we could go shave it. And, it, and it, like, would have been so distracting. We would think about the mole from Austin Powers. We'd be laughing oh. like morons. Your chair, Doctor Eva. Thank you. I was, uh, I know it's kind oh, of a shock to everybody out there, but I don't really take care of my beard and mustache. <laughs> I don't really care about the trimming of the mustache that way. And I had a little fang going here during the gym. Oh, God. Oh, kind of better now. <laughs> Thank God one of us is. I'm feeling much better now. <laughs>
There's right now. There's not a whole lot of Vikings news going on. Um, there's probably not a whole lot of people watching the show anymore either. They probably tuned out. Yeah, I think we killed everybody. Uh, that's fine. I don't care. There's nine people out there. Let's update them. So the only thing that's really hit since uh, Wednesday when we, well, since Saturday when we were last on, um, is the Vikings just announced they they officially restructured the contract of Anthony Barr. Okay. Um, his cap number drops to six point one million for twenty twenty one. Gives the Vikings about ten to eleven million dollars in cap space, depending on what math you use. He he has voidable years in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three, so he can become a free agent at the end of this year. So bar is done. That gives and that gives him a lot of money. Well, enough money to now pursue, hopefully, an offensive lineman. But but we'll see what direction they go. I think it's about the best way to play it out. It's kind of a do or die year for everybody, including the coach. I mean, doesn't it all feel like 2021? This is it. I, and I don't know if the voidable years mean anything. It's probably just as much for cap stuff as well. But they did that for uh, for Barr, and there was one other player I'm, I can't think of off the top of my head. They did when they restructured. They did a, a, a voidable year for. Um, it just makes me think that if 2021 doesn't go as well as the Vikings hope it goes, that not only are we going to see Zimmer and Spielman go, but we could see a complete reshuffling of the roster. I mean, guys that we don't think would go could could head on out and, and not be around. So, yeah, I think there's a lot riding on this year now, too. You know, Ted, I would say he's probably the second most controversial guy besides the quarterback. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Yeah, he he generates a lot of discussion. Like, there's not a lot of people that think he's he's worth his contract, but the Vikings defend him to the hilt, and they say, look, he does he does things away from the ball that that you just can't really put a numerical value on. So he's going to be around. We all we both thought he was going to he was going to be back for 2021, um, and he in fact is back for 2021. So how come all in? Zimmer hasn't used Anthony Barr more as an edge rusher? I don't understand that, dude. I don't either, but there was a interesting clause that you mentioned that he's got like a uh, a, a big incentive based uh, salary. I think I want to say it was ten million dollars. I'd have to I'd have to go back and look at it, but it's a significant amount of money based on how many sacks he gets. So right. maybe maybe that's an indication that the Vikings are going to use him in that capacity. Or Spielman's telling Zimmer under no circumstances does he rush the pasture because we're not giving him that money. I, I mean I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Congratulations, you're still my agent. And, and, and folks that think the Vikings are going to have a good season have said, you know, look, Barr's coming back healthy. Kendricks is coming back healthy. Dalvin Tomlinson's in the fold. Michael Pierce is coming back after he opted out last year. So, so the, the Vikings have a nucleus. You know, Patrick Peterson got signed that. His contract signing was official today. There's, at, at least for me, there's a much better vibe about this defense as we head towards the draft than there was this time last year. So Five. hopefully... Good work, yeah, Ted. That, that is vibe. Good. Yeah, ride the vibe. That is a good vibe. That's a better word than than your mustache trimming ability, wasn't it? What did you call it? <laughs> Stop the show. Drew's got a fang. <laughs> a fang. So, um, with the the lack of Vikings news, we got kind of backed up on some viewer questions. So, Tunsis has been kind enough to ask us several viewer questions, and then we'll get to our position review and then trivia. So, Tunsis, what do we got for some of our viewer questions tonight? All right, our first one comes from Goal Light on Twitter. He wants to know, 
How do you value the first four pick with need for O-line, edge, safety, linebacker, and wide receiver three, considering there's not that many good edge or linebackers in the draft? Drew, you're the, you're the draft expert. Why don't you, what, what, what do you, Ted, I'm not an expert prior. on anything. You right, are. Let's get that straight out, <laughs> right, out the, right out the bat. Oh, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> I mean, it felt like a month ago that interior defensive line that we're doing today would be right up there at the big percentage of where we're going with this. It's a really weak class. Right now, it's got to be tackled, doesn't it, since we don't have one? But then you take into consideration like this. He's right. There's not a lot of good linebackers. There's not a lot of good linebackers, right? Or premier guys. Mm-hmm. But what if the top linebacker hasn't been taken yet? That has to be a consideration of what the teams do in front of you. What if nobody takes Micah Parsons from Penn State? And he's sitting there at 14. First off, we want to trade back from 14. But say they're going to pick at 14. How do you pass on that guy? My, my tendency is to agree with you on, on the Vikings overall need it's offensive line now whether whether it's tackle or guard I, I think we can have that debate I, again it just we, we've mentioned this it sort of depends on where Ezra Cleveland goes until Dalvin Tomlinson was signed I was thinking maybe defensive tackle um but I, I I'm kind of I think I'm going with you I think I'm going to go O-line and then first my personal thing if they're going to stay at 14 I would go wide receiver three because I think that is going to be the most impactful player that you could get that could make the most difference. The other side of that coin is the Vikings don't use three wide receiver sets a lot. They like to run the ball more than anybody else, so would that be a wasted pick? So I, I'm probably going to settle on offensive line being the being the biggest pick as well. If they're talking offensive line, that's why you're looking at a guy like Vera Tucker from USC and Slayton from Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Those guys play both positions, tackle and guard. And I've been hearing grumblings over the weekend, Ted, that they're leaning towards Ezra Cleveland staying at guard. Really? All right. That brings up our next Twitter question, actually. Rory wants to know. Rory did! What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? I'm going to murder you a thousand times. Okay. Rory. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. We're perpetually 12. I love it. Go. Roll. Let's go. Rory would like to know, what are the chances that Ezra Cleveland starts at left tackle in week one? I heard some grumblings over the weekend. <laughs> so so put, those percentage, put those grumblings into a percentage. 50% grumbling, 50% what? The grumbling right now, I'm going to say 65% they want to leave him at guard. That's on the grumbling meter. Now you look at the grumbling. <laughs> The grumblings meter, it changes every first of the month. So April 1st, the grumbling meter will be sufficiently rolled around a little bit. Is that anything like the get off my lawn scale that I use in my life? Get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Okay, so you're hearing that. Do you think he's going to stay at guard then? I think he is. But if they're going to leave him at guard, Ted, they're going to go tackle with the first pick. They have to. Yeah. All right, next. All right, next. From Rory on Twitter, he asked, do you think Rick and Zim will attempt to fix the O-line in the draft now, or do you still think there's a possibility <laughs> they bring in a couple of free agents? You know, he hasn't. Rick Spielman hasn't fixed the, dra- the, the Vikings yeah. O-line in the draft in 10 stinking years, so I'm a big, that's a big no for me, dog. Rick can't fix it. Been Rick Spielman trying to fix the offensive line is like Stevie Wonder opening up a driving school. Are you sure you're okay to drive? 
My hands are on. Ready to go. Ready to run. You should probably be just. It just doesn't work. He's talented in many things, but not doing an O-line in the draft. He just doesn't. He can't do it. Just like Stevie Wonder can't open a driving school. How many? How many drafts have they had together? 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. That's Seven. a lot of advanced math you just used. Seven drafts, and we got a center and a right guard, a right tackle. So if we get, yeah, we have another 20 drafts, we'll have an offensive line ready to rock. Next question is from Nick Howard. He wants to know which of the big four QBs do you think might fall in the draft? I don't think I'm, I'm writing. We're gonna fall, but if I'm writing fall, my name down right here, right now, before you answer, just I think just just due to the fact that he's played against lesser, I guess, competition. I really hate saying that because all competition in football is pretty good, but he did play against lesser competition and didn't play at all last year because of COVID. Just because of a bigger chance, it would have to be in my eyes. Trey Lance would be the <gasps> one that would drop further than. But but that being said, I don't know who'd you have. Because you've, you've seen what the other guys can do so much. You factor in the smaller school with the fact he didn't play last year, the uncertainty of it all. I talked to some people that say, dude, that guy's going to be better than Russell Wilson. So it's a, it's a hard balance on it because he's such a playmaker. So you have to balance out the uncertainty of what he's done up till this point to the playmaking ability. And I think that could scare people away. But I don't think any of them are going to drop. But if there's one, I would probably say him. You know, what, what are Viking fans going to do if Lance is there at 14? That'll be interesting. Oh, jeez. That'll be wild. That'll be absolutely wild. <laughs> we will be doing all the wildness live, yeah. Dad. Yeah, we will. Oh, I'm going to be screaming at the TV. I'm going to be an unhinged mental case. <laughs> Here's Johnny. <laughs> let's hope let's hope for our viewers' sake that he's off the board. Our last question from Twitter comes from Rob Nelson. You gotta think about this one, okay? All right. A train full of all pro cornerback prospects is traveling east at one hundred miles per hour. And one full of all pro guards is traveling west. Oh, all right, you got it? It was it quarterbacks or cornerbacks? Corner. The question is, how many seventh rounders does Rick get in the trade? Four, uh, X equals 14. <laughs> math problems were absolute worst, my worst thing in school. Absolutely hated math problems. You know, math is one thing. Then they made word problems out of it. Yeah, that, well, that's what I meant. You had the math word problems. Bobby has five apples. Susie takes two. What, what, what's the result of that? Well, Susie ends up with two black eyes. That's what happens with that. Taking my stinking apples. Leave my stinking apples alone, Susie. Go get your own friggin' apples. <laughs> Thank you to the viewers for bringing us your questions. Um, I know we don't get to them every week. Sometimes we got a lot going on. But when we can, we'll get to them. And, and this, this was a really fun segment. I really enjoyed doing it. And thank you, Tunsis, uh, for reading the questions off for us and, and keeping us in line and keeping us on time. All right. So now... We're done with the offense in our position group review. We, we wrapped it up last week. We are now moving to the other side of the ball. And this week, we are starting off with our interior defensive linemen or defensive tackles. 
And before we do that, I want to throw up this, this draft graphic on the board. It's defensive tackles that have been drafted since 2007, since Rick Spielman became the director of player personnel or, and or general manager. They've drafted eight defensive tackles. One guy in the first round. Do you know who that is off the top of your head? Uh, Rhymes with Barif Moyd. Sharif Floyd. Sharif Floyd. <laughs> Surprised I got it with that hint. That was no help uh, at all. They, they've drafted three guys in the fourth round, one guy in the fifth round, one guy in the sixth round. Wow. And two guys in the seventh. Yeah. If you want to criticize Rick Spielman and his ability to pick talent, this is a good as position as any, almost as bad as the offensive line, at least for, for defensive tackle. You know, I, I can't really blame him for Floyd. I thought Floyd was going to be a really, really good player. He, he seemed to be coming along, and then he got that knee injury. But, Drew. Floyd was a tremendous value that year. Yeah. I, had him at, I had him as a top 10 defense, top 10 overall pick. We really wanted to talk about this. And start us off. I, I just, I'm not even really sure. Sure, where to start with this hot mess, to be quite honest well, with you. You know, if we're looking at, look at the guys on the team right now. Who's going to start at defensive tackle next year? Well, it's going to have to be Dalvin Tomlinson and um, Michael Pierce. Were they drafted here? They were not. Okay. Free agent acquisitions. Because they, you can't draft right. Because you can't find the right guys yourself. You have to go out and get these. And that's what, wow, look at, look at Rick Spielman. What a stroke of genius getting Michael Pierce. Well, you know, when I could have went out and got him, Ted. I mean, yeah. it's easy once he's already played with the Ravens and shredded over there. Oh, yeah, look what I did. <laughs> look at the guy I brought in here. You know, it just didn't, they don't work. The, the three fourth-round guys, Christian Ballard, Jaleel Johnson, and James Lynch. Who, James Lynch, in his defense, just a very limited up. amount of snaps. He he looked okay last year. He he yeah, might he, be something. He can't be accountable for that. And that guy's still – I think that guy's going to end up being a good player. So yeah. the jury's still out on him. Yeah. But uh, – So we can't we can't throw him out with the rest of this bathwater just yet. We've talked about Jaleel Johnson two, three years now. I, we were, we're both done with him, and he's free agent. He's not coming back. Christian Ballard as a, another – he was a guy that I thought was going to be pretty good, and then he just decided after one year he didn't like football and quit. Like, is that not part of your scouting process? <laughs> it's a serious question. I mean, it's oh, a serious no. question. But, you know, last week we, we talked about this. You know, there's there's guys that they just they just don't have a passion for the game, and it's just a job, and it becomes a grind. And, and okay, I get that, but, man, that's that was just a huge whiff on a guy out of Iowa I thought was going to be a pretty good football player. Yeah, it is part of the process. Like Jerry Burns says, I can get guys who want to play football or get guys who can play football. I want to get guys who want to play football. I don't know. I guess you could chalk up a, a, an excuse for everybody that goes by the wayside, but the draft hasn't been pleasant to Rick. No. In terms of the interior defensive line, it could have gone a lot better. Armand Watts is still on the team, and I think he's got potential to be a decent rotational depth guy. We'll see. Um, and then the two seventh rounders, Shamar Stefan and, and Everett Dawkins. I mean, Stefan for a seventh rounder, I, I would argue they got more value out of him than just about anybody, but still wasn't anything to write home about. I mean, if you're if you're drafting guys in the seventh round and they become starters, a lot of people missed a lot of things uh, in their personnel evaluation, or you just you don't have anybody else you can play. But Stefan was was bad enough that they had to let him go, and they signed you know the free agent this this offseason in, in Dalvin Thompson. Now. You know, like you mentioned, 
they've had a pretty good track record in in signing free agents. You know, we mentioned Tomlinson, we mentioned Pierce. You know, Linval Joseph was just another beast that the Vikings had for several years. Didn't draft him either. <clears throat> Didn't draft him either. I mean, See? so so yeah. I, so the reason the Vikings have been, done so well at free agent signings is because. They've been just as bad at drafting and developing defensive tackles. How does which, that sit financially, though, Ted? If well, you know, I mean, free agents are more than rookies. I mean, if rookies yeah. in there playing, they're on a rookie deal, right? If you sign a free agent, you're paying more. Am I? I don't know. Yeah. Their two starting defensive tackles are, are significant cap hits this year in, in both Pierce and Tomlinson. So, yeah, that's a big chunk of change going to one position. Again, it, it just goes back to the Vikings' inability to, to draft and develop at that position, which kind of leads us to this position group. So if one of those guys go down, who's the backup? What do we got for the roster? What's it? Well, like? besides besides Dalvin Thompson and Michael Pierce, we got James Lynch, who we talked about a little bit, and Armand Watts are your four interior defensive linemen. That's it. That's it right now. Now I will say those four seem a little bit better from top to bottom than what the Vikings had last year. Hopefully those guys can stay healthy, those starters. I do like Pierce, the combo of Pierce and Tomlinson. I really like that. I think that's going to be pay big off, big dividends, Ted. Looking at the available free agent list, is there anybody out there that you think might be worth taking a flyer on? I know there's been talk about Geno Atkins. Oh, God, Geno not, Atkins. Not big about Geno Atkins, man. Oh. Like I said, I'd rather have Chet Atkins. Um, <laughs> Kawan Short? You know what? I saw Kawan Short on there, the guy from Carolina. He's 32, but I like his game, dude. That guy has solid anchor, and he's tough inside. He's a very physical player. The guy I saw in here that I like, and I don't know if he's a bust. I think he was in Cleveland, I think, before Detroit. Was How about Danny Shelton? He's only 28. Yeah. He, was, he seems like he hasn't done what he was supposed to. I mean, that guy was pretty dominant coming out of college. I don't know. If some guys just don't get it, or some guys get it later in their career, and some guys don't get it at all. <laughs> um. Taylor Stallworth from the Colts. He's only 26. Got a pretty good game. I, I don't, if they signed Tomlinson as a free agent defensive yeah. tackle, are they going to sign another one? I would say no, just off the top of my head. And I, I you know, looking at the roster now, I, I kind of like where they're sitting at depth wise, at least compared to last year. I, I think it would be maybe an undrafted free agent or a, a late round draft pick to throw in there. I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I don't, I don't think a top line signing like Geno Atkins is something that's, that's in the works, but now watch, you know, right after we get off here tonight uh, with all this extra cap space, that's exactly who the Vikings end up signing. Who knows? You know, one of the rules you always have with me, I always like to go get younger on the team rather yeah. than, you know, I don't, since they signed Tomlinson as a free agent, I don't think they're going to go after another one. I think they're going to do exactly what you said. Maybe if they could get, what about Jarrell Casey from Denver? He's a pretty good player. Yeah, he's not bad. Um, I think he's just a nose tackle though, right? I don't think he. I don't know. I think you're right. I have to. I'd have to go back and. And Damakon Sue is on here. That was the guy. That was the name I was going to bring up. Yeah, Damakon Sue. I that guy. He's what 34, 34, 34 years old. I thought he was going back to Tampa to win another Super Bowl. I think that is his plan, but they haven't signed him back yet. Uh, the only other name on there, Antoine Woods from Dallas. I don't know much about him, but I've heard stories that he's a pretty good. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Defensive tackle. Before the Tomlinson signing, defensive tackle was a position the Vikings were looking at, and I think it still might be. I mean, I, they still need depth, and they they still need long term answers. So let's get to your uh, defensive tackle big board for 2021, Drewster, because let's slap it's it uh, kind of controversial. I think when you see these names pop up here. Oh yeah, here we go. Let's go. Stop the presses. Stop the madness. Drew doesn't have Christian Barr. Barmore is number one. Now, now I'm telling you right now, 
prepare to defend yourself because people are going to lose their mind when they see Christian Barmore is not the number one overall defensive tackle. Gentlemen, prepare to defend yourselves. Well, I'm going to do my damnedest to try to explain it all. I did the research on these guys, and I'm going to present it to you just like I, how I see it. Okay. We're going to start. We'll start with Barmore and go up. All right. But I kind of lost the battle on this because my number one guy is a guy from Iowa. We just talked about Ballard and Jaleel Johnson, so I might be losing my argument a little early. <laughs> Christian Barmore, pure three technique, Ted, super explosive, super athletic. This guy has a really rare combination of power and strength. We talked about Alan Page earlier. He's, mm-hmm. not Alan, he's not Alan Page yet, but when you have that combination, that rare combo, you have a chance to be something special in the NFL. The guy's a great football player. Don't get me wrong. Great, great football player. You want a pure three technique that's going to thrive and get to the quarterback, it's far more. I do like his game. He has a lot of upside. He's only played 22 games. It seemed to come on the, the last two games of last year is when he really shredded. A lot of times would take over the line of scrimmage. He's that good. The one thing that kind of bothers me about his game, he, okay, here's the deal. He's super quick with the first snap, but when he doesn't win with quickness, more often than not, he can't get off the blocker. He can't. Now, is that because of his technique or he just doesn't have the the physical strength to move off a blocker and make a play? I think it's a little, maybe a combination of both. He doesn't seem to have any secondary moves once he gets, once the quickness thing doesn't work, he gets locked on. It's Mm -hmm. very inconsistent. He makes such big splash plays in the backfield by tackles for loss and sacking the quarterback. He had eight sacks, eight sacks and nine and a half tackles for loss and eight sacks last year, which is really good for a defensive tackle. Those splash plays, you remember those a lot more than when you're getting mushed out of the play in the mush, when when you're not being effective in the run game. He's not that effective in the run game. He's inconsistent. And is that why you dropped him down to third? That's why I dropped him down to third. Now, that's my board. Now, let me tell you, he's going to be the first defensive tackle taken. Okay. He is going to be the first one taken. But that doesn't necessarily always jive with my board and how I see it. Will his quickness translate to the NFL, or will that something that, uh, or is that something that can be a lot more easily negated in the NFL? No, his quickness is going to be what he carries him. Okay. And if he can figure out how to shed blocks better or maybe come up with some secondary moves, He's going to be Henry Thomas. I'm telling you. Really? That's high praise. He's got, uh, just because he's third on my list doesn't mean, first off, I'm a base player. I'm not a professional football scout. I just, uh, he's going to be a great player. I just see some inconsistency and it scares me a little bit. I don't know. Just because he's number third doesn't mean he's not going to be a pro bowler. Okay. Well, let's talk about, uh, well, who do you want to talk about next then? You want to talk about the kid from Washington or the kid from Go ahead. Spell his name, Ted, without looking. No, you don't look. Oh, I, look. I, I can't do it. I, I can't pronounce it without looking. You you pronounce it. I can't. Onwazurike. Onwazurike. Levi Onwazurike. This guy, now this guy is really good against the run. He's the three, three technique that's the run stuffer. Barmore is the three technique that's going to rush the shit out of your passer. That's the okay. difference of these two players. He's, he only had seven sacks his entire time at Washington. So he's going to need to work on that or he may get washed out. But the guy's super athletic. He's a great run defender on the inside. He had 34 starts at Washington. He could have came out in the draft last year and been a high second-round pick. But after 34 starts, he'd already proven himself. He opted to go back to Washington and play. And then he had to opt out because of then the COVID thing hit and ruined his plan to return okay. to college because he thought he could get even higher up in the draft, which, I mean, I still have him as maybe a late first-round guy, early second. But 34 starts, so he could have had 47 
career starts. He's a very experienced guy, really quick off the snap too, but unlike Barmore, Levi could shed the blocks. He's really good at shedding. When he needs to get off the blocks, and even when he needs to eat up the blocks so the linebackers can get there, he's a very smart player. He's only 290 pounds. People say he has to bulk up a little more, but he is a great run stuffer. He had 16 tackles for loss at Washington. Really good moving side to side. And another thing I like about him is his chase speed, running, <laughs> running people down laterally. He can run backs down and some quarterbacks when they get out of the pocket. He has good speed away from the ball. I have his number two just because he's more of a run stuffer. Better run stuffer, not as quick as Barmore, though. Not as quick. Not as quick. Plus, he turned down Michigan the last week coming out of high school. He turned down Michigan to play for Washington. Smartest decision of his life. So he should be number one unquestionably on your board then. I I remember when that happened. (laughs) The Wolverines lost a player. Who was it? I don't know. Some woozy, woozy, woozy kid guy. (laughs) But he's really good. Well, let's talk about Davion Nixon then. Let's talk about Davion Nixon. He is my number one on the board. I'm probably the only guy in America that has him number one on the board. And I'm good with that. Iowa, like I said, we don't want to talk about Ballard. We certainly don't want to talk about Julio Johnson, but he's his own player. Pure three technique. He's also the gap penetrator, quick off the ball, can get to the quarterback, but he's also a run stuffing player. He can stuff the run. He doesn't get locked up in the mush. Okay, here's how you break it down. Barmore's your three technique gets to the quarterback. Ozerke is more your run stopper that can't get to the quarterback. Okay. Nixon's a good combination of both. But and not as good at either as those two guys are at their particular strength. Yeah, to make this real simplified, that's why he's number one, because he, to me he's more of a complete player. Okay. He's more consistent. Than that both makes sense. Guys. That makes and a lot of sense, though. And that's kind of why I put him there. Very, very speedy guy. And get Well, here's another reason. He only had 21 starts, which is less than the other two guys we just talked about, and he had better stats. Did he really? More more sacks and more tackles for loss. 19 tackles for loss in 21 games. I love Davion Nixon. 6'3", 305. And here, here's, here's a little tidbit story. This guy came to Iowa, but academically he couldn't qualify. And in the process of not qualifying academically, they figured out he had a learning disability. So he was bummed. And he told Iowa, you know, this sucks. And they said, well, you know what? We're going to hold your scholarship for you. Because he said, I'm going to go play junior college for a couple of years. Wow. Went to junior college, worked on his learning disability, got that squared away, and became a dynamic football player in that time. Matter of fact, Nick Saban was sitting on his porch almost every day trying to get that guy to come to Alabama. Because no Nick kidding. Saban knows how good he is. He blew up. Saban wanted him. Come to Alabama. That's where all the good players go. And you know what he did? He honored Iowa by saying, you know what? They were cool enough to wait for me. So I'm going to go play there. That, that says a lot about that guy's character. Doesn't it? Doesn't it, Ted Glover? It does, and yeah. You know what? Character means something. A very positive player, and he has a, do, dare I say it, he's a lunch pail guy, brings his hard hat. <laughs> I don't know Not about his it. twitch. I don't know, twitch. What's the twitch meter on him, Ted? Are, are his hips oily enough for, for the NFL? Can <laughs> he... <laughs> Can he manufacture, uh, no, that, that's, what is it called? Is he north-south? Good north-south player. Yeah, is he north-south player? <laughs> north-south. Well, he has second level. south player. Real man-child. Real man-child. Can play five technique. Three, plays faster than his tape shows. Blue-collar blue guy. Real grinder. Real thumper. See, see, you sound, when you do that, you sound like, um, like Kuiper. I sound like Rain Man. 97X. Bang. 
the future of rock and roll. 3 let me get you a few other guys while i have time my time's running i know this uh but i do want to mention some of these guys okay. jalen twyman from Pitt. this is pretty cool his idol was aaron donald who also went to Pitt. oh okay wanted to wear 99 wanted to follow in his hero's footsteps he ended up wearing 97 there because he wanted to be his own player but in 2019 get these stats for a defensive tackle 41 solo tackles 12 tackles for loss and 10 and a half sacks wow and that's not NFL 16 games. That's what, 12 games in college. Wow. Matter of fact, he broke the Pittsburgh Panthers sack record from who? Aaron Don- Oh, no, it would have been Chris Dolman. No, no, uh, from defensive tackles. Oh, oh, that would have been Aaron Donald then. Yeah, Aaron Donald. Dolman still has it for the defensive ends. Okay. He broke his hero's record. Wow. Uh, the guy is a really, really good player. Next, we have the big boy from USC, Jay Tufele. Now, this guy, this is your guy that can play anywhere on the D-line. You can set him off anywhere. Three technique, one technique. He could be a straight-up nose tackle for you. The dude's pretty awesome. And he's a three-down guy. You don't have to just spell him coming in on, you know, simply his rundowns and then he leaves on passing downs. You can leave him in there on all three. This guy, on a lot of his tape, he can't be blocked one-on-one. They, the only time... Anybody ever stopped him is when they double teamed him. And that's a good thing to see this early in somebody's career that one-on-one blockers can't hang with him. 24 games, he had uh, 10 tackles for loss. Like I said, really tough to block. Great chase speed. You want a guy that could run people down. It's another guy, three technique, flop him in at one technique. But I like the, the, the one-on-one blocking that he can't be blocked with one guy. That's intriguing to me. Let, let's uh, Okay, so I, I want to wrap this up with the guy the Vikings are going to draft. Uh, defensive tackle Tommy Togiai of Ohio State. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 No, we're not going to wrap it up with him. <laughs> I got your Viking guy. Who, who is it? Who we got? Alim McNeil from North Carolina Alim State? McNeil from North Carolina State. Alrighty. This is really cool, dude. This guy in high school was a linebacker and a running back. Those are the two positions he played in high school. And he was converted to a defensive tackle. Now, how often do you see that? Now, that very is often. Very, very, very. That's like taking a harmonica player and a harp player and making them your drummer. It's Matt, kind of Matt Asiata was converted from a defensive tackle to a running back. <laughs> At least the way he ran. I can see how the transition rolled over. <laughs> but this, this guy... This guy, if you want a guy you can bring in right away, week one, on short yardage or really run stuffing down, fourth down in shorts. Yeah. McNeil is a, this guy powers over people, dude. He can't be moved. He's really, really good. He's really raw. But this guy has so much upside. I think Andre Patterson would love to work with him. This might be the guy that could sit behind Pierce and learn from those guys. He's a really great player. So he's a a real good prime candidate mid-round guy for you. Yes. He's a good player. All right. 
Once again, Drew Stewart, uh, hit it out of the park with our defensive tack review. Next week, we are doing uh, defensive ends, the edge guys, right? I, I, are, are we? Yes. Yes, okay. So uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Trivia and wrap up the show. Oh, commercial. I'm Alan Page, the Minnesota Vikings. I'm strong enough to lift my weight. That's 250 pounds, and that's good. But these cornet paper towels are so strong, they can lift four times my weight in water. That's a thousand pounds. That's terrific. Look, just one roll of cornet weighing one pound soaked in water will lift over four times its weight. Cornet heavy-duty paper towels from Georgia Pacific. Cornet, big on performance, big on value. You know what's popping? All right, welcome to Tunes' Trivia. We are back. All right, this week we're back to viewer questions. Viewers versus Ted and Drew. This week we have questions from Tony Bell, oh. Mary Fisk, Ryan Johnson, D. Gatz, and Ed Zeidler. Eddie, all right. D. Gatz, what up, dog? Shall, shall we just so shall, shall we just take zeros on Tony's questions right now and move on? <laughs> Here he comes. Well, let's see. His question, his question is, Fran Tarkenton was involved in a fight at training camp in 1972 with what other Viking? Ron Yeri. Works for me. No, it's actually the person behind you, Drew, Alan Page. No way. Yes, Tony added that Allen was a vocal critic of the Tarkenton trade in 72, feeling the team gave up too much to acquire him. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Oh. I wonder if they're pen pals yet today. All right, next question. How many field goals did Fred Cox make for the Vikings? 265. 277. Ted got closest. It was 282. Wow. You know what? It would be easy to memorize that now. Just put it. That's how many games Marshall played. So it should be easier. To oh, yeah. Right. Next. Number three. In 1961, which Minnesota group helped to meet the NFL demand for 25,000 tickets? Hmm. Which Minnesota group? Um, I don't even have a guess. Like the Minnesota Better Business Bureau? Now it looks like Mary's got you guys going. She's. This is her question along with the last one. It was the Minneapolis Minutemen. Damn. Oh. Woo! That's a tough question. Mary, Mary Fisk bringing the heat. So when Tommy Kramer was with the Vikings, he was the Minuteman president because he was – Two-minute Tommy. <laughs> Nerd alert! 
Oh, let's get. You know what? We gotta call two minute Tommy tonight. All right. Question four: Who was named the team's first MVP in 1961? Uh, Tarkington, maybe. I'd say Tarkington. Incorrect. The answer was Hugh McElhenney. Oh God! So, so what are we? Oh, 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 and five now. Oh, and four. <laughs> oh, and four. Jeez, we're start. We're starting out like the Vikings did last year. We're not going to the playoffs, brother. If you're 0 and 8, get out of my state. <laughs> Let's try to get one here. Here we go. What's next? Coming up a little bit more into modern times. Question five is what movie did Jared Allen appear in? Oh, um, I know this. Behind the purple door. He was he was a one of those smoke jumper firemen, right? What? And I think I think Howie Long was in the movie. What the hell is a smoke I don't, jumper fire? Never mind. I don't know. No, I don't know. Jared Allen was in Jackass 3D. <laughs> oh God, that's right. I, remember, I posted that on our on our our fan page uh, on the Gallahorn on Facebook when when right. when he crushed that, when he crushed Johnny Knoxville, wasn't it? Gone with the Wind, Star Wars, <laughs> Titanic, and then Jackass Three. Wasn't I that? think so. Yeah, I'm Johnny Knoxville, and welcome to Jackass. And then he got absolutely killed by Jared Allen, who sacked him and then hit him on a crossing ground. I just God thought he killed him. It was terrible. I, I can't stop that. laughing. I've watched that, that clip. Oh, God. We're 0-5. 0-5. I think you guys will get this one. This is Mary's last question for you. Don't count on it. What was Ahmad Rashad's given name? It was Bobby Moore. Bobby Moore. Yeah, Bobby Moore. That is correct. Brian Johnson wants to know. Back in five. Spurgeon win through one TD in his Vikings and <laughs> NFL career. Oh my God! Who caught it, and what team was it against? Caught it. I I think was it against the Packers. Yes, it was against the Packers. That's correct. Okay, then I, I wasn't right, wrong on that. Okay, so it's against app. the Packers. You need to get okay. the play enough. <laughs> that Paul. That. Uh, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, Jermaine, you mean Jermaine Wiggins. Jermaine, Jermaine Wiggins. That's what I meant. <laughs> no, it was Byron Chamberlain. Damn oh! Damn it. Here's a bonus. Yeah? What was my nickname for Spurgeon Wynn? Sperm Gun. <laughs> it was Spurgeon Lose. You don't remember that, Drew? <laughs> yeah. Ruby had some great nicknames for people. Who is that? Who is that one corner that you couldn't stand? You would like, you were going to kill the guy. Who was that corner? Kenny something. Was it Benny Sapp? No, it was Kenny Wright. Kenny wrong? I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I thought Toots was going to murder that guy. She couldn't stand that guy. He was uh. terrible.
Right. D. Gath wants to know, name the last Viking to win Defensive Player of the Year. Alan Page. No. No. Uh, no, Defensive oh, Player of the Year. I think Jared, Jared Allen won it, I'm pretty sure, didn't he? He did. I'm going to go, um, go Keith Millard. Drew is correct. It was Keith Millard. Do you remember what year call. it was? Good call. 89. Very good. Good yeah. job, man. All right, Next. two more questions. These are both from Ed Zeidler. What does the phrase skull mean? I don't know. Um, it's it's just a common common greeting, like uh, like hello or good day. It means cheers or good health, or it's like a salute or a toast. So that that's a, that's good enough. So what also do you guys means- have now? Two point five. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last question. So the viewers won, but still, here we go. The NFL began tracking sacks in 1982. Which former defensive end and 1980 Pro Football Hall of Fame inductee is credited with coining the term sack? That was Deacon Jones, wasn't it? That was Deacon Jones. You are correct. Ted Glover. Ted Glover. (laughs) Well... Thankfully, 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 we've got uh, a magnanimous owner that doesn't that doesn't care if we suck. So we get to stay around. We're not going to get fired. (laughs) Don't worry. I'm not going to do what everyone thinks I'm going to do. Flip out, man. But that was terrible, brother. That was terrible. All right, you guys, thank you so much for playing. We'll see you next week. We got to brush up on our trivia, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Bad. Thank you, Tootsis. Great Tootsis. questions. And thank you again to the viewers for uh, those are great questions. Um, keep bringing them. We love them. Even though we don't know them, we still we still love hearing from you, and we still love trying to answer them. So thank you. Thank you, folks, for the questions. But, you know, again, uh, we say it every week, but uh, it can't be stressed enough. Thanks for watching. Thanks for subscribing. Um, thanks for all the feedback and the comments and the questions, whether they're trivia questions or just regular viewer questions. Uh, I mean, it's just um, beyond beyond my comprehension how successful this show has become in a short period of time. Uh, thanks to Ruby and to, to, to Liz and to you, Drew. I just, I, I'm having a blast and uh, we'll try to do better the next time. Take us home, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the people who are subscribing and liking and especially commenting. Our commenting section has been blowing up. I've been meeting a lot of new people talking football, talking music, talking becoming Viking fans. It's just good to get to know all of you, and thank you for supporting our show. We're not professional. We're not prepared. We're not scripted, but we like to have a good time, and we like to try to keep this on your level. The show was thought up to be your show. So we're going to keep it going. we got 13 in the books. Thank you to Alan Page. Thank you, Alan Page. Thank you to... Bertinelli at One Day at a Time. Thanks for One Day at a Time for doing our show today. And Tunsis, you did a great job with the trivia. And we'll try to do better the next time. Say goodnight, Ted. Goodnight, Ted.